بله Good. Thank you for bringing it back up. Here's a very interesting twist. Jewish people never live in the past. I will never apologize to you for the past. This is what the Rebbe answers. It's awesome. The only reason I'm apologizing to you is because I know if I do apologize to you, from here on, it won't hurt you that much. So now I'm back foresight. Foresight is back freedom of choice. I better apologize to you. Not because it's going to help you anything with your yesterday, but it's going to make today feel a lot better. It's going to make your tomorrow be easier. So we're not crying, we're not apologizing over yesterday. That was whatever it was. That was God's work. But right this second, if I don't apologize to you, I'm still hurting you. I have the freedom of choice to stop that. Question number one. Question number two. What am I doing with responsibility? So I want to just want to just explain this. If I'm telling you that what happened yesterday, you think that it was your choice, but really it was God pushing you. You're going to have to ask me or yourself, why would God push me? The answer is going to be a proactive one. So you tell me, am I taking away your responsibilities or am I loading up your responsibilities? You're living, I don't mean you, but you're living in the yesterday about I need to take responsibility for that. I need to take responsibility for that. And I'm living in the today. What you did yesterday, you were meant to do. Do you know why? Because that's the road down to your, to your destiny. There's a piece of hell that only you can turn into heaven. Questions, anyone else? Good. I believe he used the word achzariyut. Achzariyut is, is cruelty. Anyone who says that any suffering in the world is mikre nikre, it's just a coincidence, is a cruel person. Because no suffering could have happened by coincidence. That would be meaningless. It's got to be a communication. Okay. Okay, nice. Nice. What she said is mikre, which the Hebrew word from, for coincidence actually spells out the letters, spell out two words, rachma Hashem, only from God. Nice. Go ahead. Um, in my life, like when I was 24, like I just made the mistake of just out of graduate school, like lost a boyfriend, and I just gave up on life, and I started to like screaming and crying, and I told my mom I didn't want to live anymore, and I told God that He better send me something or else this is it for me. And a week later, that's when my career started, and and, and now when I scream and cry at God, like when I'm at the end of the rope, it's like a miracle. Yeah. Those are like Jewish tantrums. No, this is not Jewish tantrums. <laughs> He likes Jews. He likes Jews activating their potential. Yeah. That's what he likes. It's amazing because you read all these books. Right now, uh, my friend over here gave me a book about uh, <coughs> about jobs. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that he was adopted and what he went through. I didn't know any of that. It's interesting. It's interesting. 
tell you an interesting tell you an interesting story it's a metaphor a guy was walking down the road and there's fields there growing and he sees the, you know the little the little grass the little roots first starting to grow up from everything that he planted and he turns into weather is terrible the wind there's no rain he turns around to the farmer and he says oh my god this is terrible you know they're so young they're so fragile why now is the environment so harsh on them would be better if first let them grow up and then be harsh with them and the farmer turned around and said you know nothing about agriculture see what happens is if in the younger years it's easy then they don't fight to have big roots because they don't need to but if there's no rain then the most central genetic of any creation is survival so they're going to fight so much harder so that later they'll be able to handle anything so it's interesting how what we think is this is so cruel maybe it's not so cruel there's this famous story right the guy was seeing the butterfly suffering trying to break out of the cocoon and he went to help and the butterfly died because the butterfly needs that to dry and to strengthen its wings so we don't really understand we have our own set of political correctness, 60s, lovey-dovey, no one should ever have to suffer. Not so good. We have a saying, it comes actually from the Jerusalem Jews. The Jerusalem Jews laugh. They say about a certain person who takes care of his kid that nothing should ever happen. He says, oh, he doesn't have a kid, he has an esrig. And the reason why they say that is because the law of an esrig is if you have the slightest scratch to it, it becomes non-kosher. So you put it in cotton, you protect it. So a father that doesn't let a child grow up they say he doesn't have a kid, he has an estrogen. There's a reason, there's a reason. It's not cruel. It's, it's, you need to push, you need to push. Any other questions? Go ahead. Does God preordain suicide? Wow. Is there anything wrong with asking an easy question? Let me start this way. Number one, number one. If I believe that A can't kill B before B's life is complete, I also believe that B can't kill B before his life is complete. One of my teachers once told me when we were talking about a sad story, and he said, one thing I could tell you, from the day that Adam was created, no man or woman ever died before their life was complete. We just don't understand what the word complete means. For some, it can unfortunately be a two-year-old, and for some, it can be uh, 120. Which makes me all the more hurt. If his life was meant to end, why did it have to end with suicide? There's more noble ways for life to end. But with that being said, yeah, in hindsight, I'm going to need to believe that suicide was meant to be. But what I'm saying, and it's being recorded, is extremely dangerous. So I want to tell you what I once spoke about in the house of a shiva, of a boy that took his life. All his classmates were there. And everyone was talking about how now he's in a better place, and now he's in a more peaceful place. And I'm thinking to myself, hello, what kind of message are you sending these kids? When the going gets rough, take your life, and then we'll give a eulogy that you're now in a better place? So I went and I told them, there's only one thing that this boy is right now wants to tell you. But he can't, so I'm going to tell it to you for him. He wishes he never did what he did. 
And on top of that, what he really would like you to know is that from his perspective now, he realizes there was help. He just wasn't able to reach out to it. So when I go to funerals, and I'm a Kohen, but when I stand out and I hear these eulogies of a person who committed suicide and now he's in a peaceful place and he had so much pain, I hate those eulogies. What are we saying? Do the man who died a favor and say what he wants to say to his family and his friends. As a young kid, I was taught, suicide is a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Whatever, the details are so unimportant. But the, the, the case on the table here is, I'm not here to glorify suicide in the slightest bit. Suicide, from a Jewish perspective, is murder. So we don't glorif glorify murder at all. That's exactly what the soul faces when he comes up to heaven. He's tried for murder. That's what it is. But from everything I said today, I need to believe that that was, in hindsight only, that was his destiny. It's very scary what I'm saying. So I just wanted to make it extremely clear that no, I'm not saying that that's anything that we glorify it anyway. Actually, we don't even bury a person who committed suicide the same way we bury anyone else. We make a very harsh statement. There's laws. There's laws about not seeing Shiva, not saying Kaddish. It's not so simple. It's not so simple. The only one answer I have for you. The only one answer I have for you is that any time when you feel bottomless and pitless and helpless, yeah. there's only one thing you need to ask yourself. What is the one little thing I can do right now? Will it solve all my problems? No. But what's the one thing I can do right now? Shift from the void absence and black hole to a positive thing. Because there's a teaching from the Rebbe that's amazing. Your soul didn't come down here not to sin. That I could have done up there. Your soul came down here to do positive things. So whenever you're in a negative place, just ask yourself one question. I'm here now. What's the one positive thing I can do? You can ask something over? I, I didn't have to hear that from a lady that came back. I actually, it's written in the holy books. But I, I'm sensitive to talk about this topic too much because ever, God forbid, someone who had a family member, I'm not here to torture them. But yeah, it's not, uh, it's not a pleasant thing. Not a pleasant thing. Guys, any other questions? Go ahead. Interesting enough. Abraham was an astrologist. Not so simple. We don't laugh at astrology. We do laugh at the ones that you find at Publix right behind the cash register. We laugh at those. And the 900 numbers, that, yeah, we laugh at those. But astrology is not something to laugh at because if you follow the teachings of Kabbalah, the terrestrial is a reflection of the celestial, which is a reflection of the spiritual, and it goes up and up and up. So we don't laugh at it. But what's important to remember is that you must believe 
that prayer connects you to the author of the book. So you're not just stuck with the book. Right? They have these weird sci-fi movies where a person, is, uh, his life is a book and he, he sees he has to do this. No, that doesn't happen. So prayer connects you, what we call the exact words we call in, in, in Hasidus is, the system, including astrology, is the will of God. Prayer connects you to the master of the will. Okay? Yes? Okay, guys. Thanks.